This hour of Canuck Central brought to you by Brevo. Brevo provides convenient cloud-based access control systems from your mobile device for any industry. Go to lp.brevo.com slash Canada for a smart demonstration. It's uh, Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. It is Friday. It's been a busy show. But we've saved the last segment for your questions. It's the mailbag here on a Friday. Jay in North Delta doesn't have a question. He just says, extend Tyler Myers, exclamation point. <laughs> Man, uh, times are changing. Times are changing. Tyler Myers has a good stretch, and you know what? God bless him. Fantastic. I plays well Great. for like two weeks, and it's just like, let's let's extend this guy. I can't see a bit. Like, what's – no problem with this. Not, nothing whatsoever. Honestly, I love it. I love it. He's been taking a lot of heat, a lot of it justified over the years. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a guy who's, who's by the end of the season, is going to have earned $30 million as a Vancouver Canuck. So he's done fine, right? But there hasn't been a lot of love going his way. The bubble, he got a little bit of it because he was really good in the postseason, especially when he matched up against Alex Tuck when he did play despite being injured. Like He showed, like, okay, this guy can give you something in some, in some big moments. And it's nice to see his game normalize. I would, however, caution everybody when it comes to extension talk. Yeah, just just, uh, just a little bit. Especially when right-shot <laughs> defensemen are still getting, no matter who you are, you're still getting like $9 bucks in free agency. So, Yeah, I mean, I'm almost, I'm, I'm almost never concerned when it comes to one-year deals, even if they are somewhat rich, because it's one yeah, year. You can no find such a way thing as a bad one-year deal. That's what I always mm -hmm. say. Yeah, more or less, right? Um, so... With Myers, sure, in a one year, maybe, but I just I would cool it on any of those suggestions for now and just enjoy the good play yep. and just see what happens next. Hundo P. I shouldn't have said that. All right. Hundo uh, P. <laughs> uh, Chef Slager from Hell's Kitchen. After 13 games, are the 23-24 Canucks for real or are they a Fugazi? Oh. They're not a Fugazi. Yeah, they are not a Fugazi. I want to say Fugazi, but uh, just because I like the word Fugazi, <laughs> but they are for real. They yeah. are. Like, it's you're, you're 10 2 and 1. Uh, okay, you're not a team that's going to get 130 ish points by the end of the year, but you're still for real in the sense, like, I think they're going to the playoffs. Yeah. They're probably going to be locked into one of the top three spots in the Pacific. Um, this, is, this is a good hockey team you're, you're watching right now in Vancouver. Obviously, things can happen. Obviously, you know, there could be uh, things that get in your way that are out of your control, bad injuries that get in the way of that. I mean, and that's that's a asterisk or a disclaimer for every single team in the league. I don't care how good you are. Things yep. can go awry if, if you get a bunch of injuries and they pile up, right? That notwithstanding, however, I think they're they're for real. Like, are they for real as a Stanley Cup contender? Because that's kind of where they're trending towards in terms of their record, their differentials. I'm not sure I'm there, right? I don't think any of us are really quite there. Some might be, and, and again, like, you know, power to you, man, having that optimism and that, and that, that hype already, and, and I think it's great that you can even think about that, but I don't think it's there yet, right? And even in terms of are they even that next-tier team, like the Kings, you know, that, that can knock on that door, we'll see if they can solidify that as the season goes on. But 
you know, people keep citing the analytics, and we know Dom Lucision's been taking it, taking a lot of heat from Canucks fans. Uh, Jay Fresh has been taking a lot of heat, a lot of heat from Canucks fans. But it was interesting though that Jay Fresh showed um, the numbers for teams and their records who had the same type of PDO that the Canucks have had, like PDO of this level through uh, 14 games. And you know what the worst record of all those teams that had the same PDO had by the end of the season? 95 points. Yeah. So if you get off to this type of start, even if you are getting a lot of numbers go your way, essentially the floor was being a 95-point team. Most of those teams, however, were at 90, 98, 100, 104, 106. And the teams we're talking about here were the 2010-11 Dallas Stars, who ended up with 95 points at the end of the year. The 14-15 Penguins started 10-2-1. They ended with 98 points that year. 15-16 Rangers started 9-2-2. They ended with about 105 points, that 104 points that year. Chicago started 9-3-1 in 16-17. They ended with 109 points that year. 16-17 Montreal started 11-1-1. They finished with... 102 points that year and then 18-19 Islanders started 8-4-1 and finished with 102 points as well. So we're talking about the teams that have this type of PDO through a hot start typically end up being 100 point teams or more. It's So tell, tell them to shove the PDO <laughs> when, when they mention the PDO run because if you have a PDO of that good and you have the record as well as the Canucks have through 13 games not much is going to get in your way. Well, and again, I mean, the the obvious thing is they do have a top-end goaltender. They do have top-end shooters through their lineup. And probably the most important thing of why I don't think they're going to crash and burn is just they're playing actually good defensively for the most part, right? So, like, there's a lot of things that are going their way that aren't just juiced up by the, the percentages right now. Next one from Tockets Cheekbones. Uh, <laughs> easy question here. JT Miller versus Ryan Kessler. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kessler probably had the better career. I mean, his peak around the, um, the top Canuck teams were pretty, pretty, pretty good. Okay. So Ryan Kessler was a better two-way forward. He's a better defensive forward. Ryan Kessler at his peak was a Selkie winning forward, right? Yeah. We're talking, we're joking about JT, can he be a Selkie? So I think in terms of two-way play and impact, Kessler was obviously the better player, better defensively. But Kessler hasn't sniffed outside of scoring goals at a crazy rate in 2011 when he had 41, the numbers that JT has put up offensively. Yeah, so true. I think they're very different. You know, we're talking about um, Ryan Kessler had 573 points in a thousand games. Uh, JT Miller is, I think he's at 556 points now through 731 games, a 99 point season, 82 point season, back to back plus 30 goal season. He never got to that level, Ryan Kessler did production wise. Kessler, however, in the playoffs also showed he can be a difference maker. I would still take Pete Kessler because to me, 2010-2011, Pete Kessler was literally a top 10 player in the league that year. Like yeah. He was an absolute force. You couldn't get in his way. I mean, and it wasn't just about the points. He was crushing everybody defensively as well. So I think there was a peak that Kessler had that I don't think JT's gotten to yet. But in terms of offensive ability and production wise, JT's a superior offensive player. The Nashville series will forever be, for me, one of the 
the greatest like collection of hockey games a player has put together in one one playoff series. Yeah, <laughs> Ryan Kessler. Like it was, mm-hmm. he was just uh, he was from another planet. He was he was wild how good he was in that series. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one from Joe. Would it surprise you if Pedersen was re-signed by Christmas? Uh, I'm gonna say no. No, it wouldn't surprise you. No. Yeah, I'm the same. It wouldn't surprise me either. I mean, and we we also talked about this before the season and said, hey, for all this discussion about Elias Pettersson and and him, whether he's going to sign before the season or be, he's going to wait until after the year, um, our our take was, yeah, I'd still I'd still bet on something getting done during the season. So I wouldn't be surprised by January, but considering the the magnitude of that contract, whatever it's going to be, and the one thing is, it's one thing to figure out the AAV. Then it comes down to all the bonus stuff. So it's we have to get to the stage of he's got to want to stay. He's like, hey, let's figure this out. Then you figure out what the money's going to be. You figure out what the AAV is going to be. And then you got to start haggling and talking about the bonus structure and everything and the details of, of a mega contract potentially. So I think it can take some time. I'd still maybe bank after Christmas, but I wouldn't be surprised. What I will say is like the, the start the Canucks have had – certainly hasn't hurt them in getting this contract done in the not-so-distant future. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, I'm definitely on the no, it wouldn't surprise me if Pedersen signs before Christmas. Next one from Leo. Uh, similar question. Will Rutherford and Alvin sign extensions before Elias Pedersen? So, Rutherford's contract uh, is up at the end of the year. We were led to believe when he when he came in first as uh, as president of Hockey Ops. I know this has uh, started to become a conversation around the market. Um, look, when things are going well, I expect an extension is going to come eventually. Whether or not it happens before Elias Patterson, your guess is as good as mine. I, I would say no. Yeah, I, I would say no, and I think he may have another year beyond this okay. too. Like, I don't think we quite know what his true contract situation is. It's funny we know everything about players. Oftentimes, we know a lot about coaches, GMs, and executives. It is very difficult figuring out exactly what's going on at all times. So, so there may be another year there, but I still would be surprised that we see them extended before Pedersen. All right, next one, Justin and East Van will. Philip Hronick's next contract exceed the Devin Taves extension. It shouldn't. Oh, man. Hronick's off to an unreal start. I will say, I mean, when we talked about the Philip Hronick contract, the, the caveat was, you know, unless you put up this monumental season. And if, if we're talking about him getting over 60 points at the end of the year. Without playing top power play unit. Yeah, and now I don't know if it's going to get there ultimately. Like we, we talk about things that are going to normalize a little bit, um, and I'm not betting against some players on this team. Like for instance, the higher end ones, and I'm not saying Philip Hronik isn't a high end one, but given the lack of power play time, I'm not sure I'm I'm banking on him getting over 75, 80 points. You know, I, I still think it'll be below that number. But let's say he comes in at 65. It changes things, man. You put up 60 points in a season, it completely changes everything. But it, it, see, if, if he gets to the 45 range. Maybe slightly more in total money than De- Devon Taves, an eight-year deal worth like fifty-five million, fifty-six million, maybe fifty-four million. When that, that's you know like fifty-three, I could see that number shading closer to eight if he puts up fifty points or more. It's uh, like I don't think he ends up getting more than like he's not going to get more than Quinn Hughes as we've talked no. about. So, so it'll be like what seven? Like I think seven point eight 
kind of be the, the, the cap yeah. if you do something with him. 7.75. 7, I think 7.5 is a number that may make sense if he has a huge year. I still wonder if we see it, you know, seven times. We see them give him an eight-year deal at seven, which is $54 million. Um, I, I'm going to say, yeah, he's he's definitely – it's still going to be under Devontae's. I'll say that. Like, I know he's got 14 assists in 13 games. It's a wild number. Um, he's picking up points basically every single game. What's his streak at now? He's, like, had a point in every game since the – I think it's the nine. first Nashville game. It's like nine games now. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's been an unreal run. Him and Hughes have been better than anybody could have expected. Uh, I mean, we expected them to be pretty good if they played together. We just didn't know they were going to play together. Now that they are, how do you split them up? That's the other question. I still don't think it gets to a point where he is ahead of, like, even seven and a half still seems rich per season to me for yeah for, uh for philip ronick it's gonna have to like if he gets seven and a half again it's gonna have to be he puts up over 50 points yeah and you know, or it's a shorter right now, term deal yeah but but the crazy thing is because he's already sitting here with uh 14 points in 13 games for him to even get the 50 points means he has to get 36 in the next 69 which does not <laughs> seem ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> Not with the way this team's going right now. That's what I'm saying. These numbers are so crooked. It's insane. It's it's so funny looking at Canucks stats. I mean, they're all they're all so crooked. <laughs> everybody's good. It's just like everybody's leading the league in plus minus. Everybody's got a ton of points. Like they've got three uh, guys over twenty points already this season. They have three in the top five right now. Well, Bro, it may, it may what world changed. is this? Their fourth liners have like five and six points and stuff. It's crazy. Like you're like. Sam Lafferty has six points in 13 games. Yeah. He's like their fourth-line center right now. Like, no other team has two players with more than 20 points. Most teams don't even have a player with 20 points yet. Most teams don't even have a player with 15 points. They even. have three. And they have three oh. with more than 20. And, and, and here, here's more fun with stats, and, and you'll get to ask the next question here in a second, uh, Josh. But uh, SN Stats tweeted it out. The last time three team three players had twenty points through thirteen games of a season was Daniel, Daniel Alfredson, Alfredson, <laughs> Heatley. Uh, I forget who the third guy. Who's the third great player Spezza? that played? Spezza. There you go. Those three guys in 05-06, and they went to the second round of the playoffs that year. And that was an underachievement for that year for that yeah. team in the second. So, when guys get off to this type of start, the team gets off to this type of start. Usually, it means very good things. Neekin, when will the Canucks sign Ethan Bear? Ah, okay. Who signs first, Pedersen or Bear? No, (laughs) Pedersen, Bear, or management? (laughs) I'd say Ethan Bear probably. I would guess late December. Yeah, I'll say it's uh, two weeks away from being two weeks away. Yeah, that's not a bad way of putting it. I I wanted to say Jan, January, but maybe earlier. Yeah, it feels like sometime in December would be. Uh, pretty much when it when it happens, probably later on in December, but uh, don't have a definitive answer on that one. Watch him heel turn and sign somewhere else after yeah. all these months of speculation. Signs with in. the Leafs, they're gonna be like, you know what, this uh, this John Klingberg thing isn't working out. We're gonna call Ethan Bear. <laughs> Would have thought. <laughs> Brad Tree Living does love his former Canucks. Yes, he does. He does. Uh, this one from Cole. I guess this is a question for me. Who approached who for the Trevor Linden interview? <laughs> um, so there's been some like. I've seen on, on Twitter, Reddit, whatever, there's been some conspiracies about this Trevor Linden thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Being like, oh, he's doing this PR tour to, like, get his credit back up or whatever. Um, to be clear, a month ago, I reached out to Linden directly, 
and I was like, hey, I saw you were at the season opener. Could we get you on to talk about Quinn Hughes being named captain? All like season opening stuff. Yeah. He was like, hey, I'm doing this men's health check thing in November. I'd love to come on then so that I can also talk about that. And then basically I reached out to Men's Health Foundation and went through that. So it was me reaching out to him. It wasn't yes. him being like, hey, I got to come on and sewer Jim Benning. <laughs> no, and, and, you too, and you're right. And he may have not even done it if he wasn't promoting the men's health thing, right? Yeah. Like, we don't know. Maybe he would have done it anyways. But it's clear that his main reason to even be available was because he wanted to help promote the men's health checklist. Mm-hmm. That's the story behind the Lynn interview. Yes. Yeah. And Josh, I mean, Josh did, did a great work as a producer. That's what he's supposed to do. Yeah. Um, he did his thing. You know, but for those wondering, yeah, it was, it was, you know, Josh doing his job, him, him being available to speak about a very important subject. And that's how it came together. And I assume it, it's the same for every other interview he did, too. Yeah. He did a lot mm-hmm. of interviews on a lot of uh, stations and stuff around the city for the Men's Health Foundation. Yes. Felt like uh, the, the Jim Rutherford interview all over again. Yeah. Where just like everybody in the hockey world was talking about the the interview that we did here on Canuck Central. Feels hey, good. Every year we get a home run like that, I'll take it. Uh, next one, Austin Ng Langley. They say that no team is going to play at the same level for the whole season and that regression happens. How much worse can the Edmonton <laughs> Oilers get? Oh, boy. The Oilers. We haven't talked about the Oilers at all today. No. Um, things can always get worse, is my motto. Yeah. Every time so. I say, like, do you think this is rock bottom stats? Like, no, it can always get worse. You <laughs> can always lose to the San Jose Sharks again. Exactly. Yeah. Or lose two to the Seattle Kraken in the next week. It's, uh, it's ugly right now for the Edmonton Oilers. You know what it seems like to me? Uh, we've been saying a lot. You've mentioned, too, how you feel like this is like last year's Canucks. Yeah. Does it not also feel like it's last year's Canucks in terms of if you really want to make a coaching change, you better get ahead of it because if you wait too long, it'll be too late. Yeah. And if you're not making it after the San Jose game, that means you're you're losing the next game and maybe you win. Like If they win the next game, it buys them another couple of games and then you start losing it. It's the same thing that happened with Bruce. And, again, expectations, situations, circumstances are different. But... It seems like they're, they're almost waiting too long to make that change because if they wait another few games, it literally might be too late. Yeah. It's – I know I know people are like – it's like the opposite of the Canucks where people are pointing to all of their underlying metrics and saying, look, it's bound to come around for the Oilers, and when it does, they're just going to rip off a bunch of, bunch of wins and they're going to score a bunch of goals. And it's like, well – yeah, eventually Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are going to come out of it. I don't need any statistic to tell me that, right? Um, two, like every time I've watched them, they don't look good. Like, they look bad. They give up way too many rush chances coming back in their own end. Like, the play that gives San Jose their third goal last night, it's like, what are you doing, Darnell? You're just giving up a two-on-one? Making a silly pinch here in a tight game? Why? They did the same thing against the Canucks a bunch of times. And... For as many shots as they take, it seems like they get 40 shots in every game. Honestly, they're not they're not the quality of shots that you would like with that kind of volume. So I'm just I'm I'm not sold. Like even people that think this is gonna turn around for the Oilers in some magnificent way, I I still got more questions than answers about this team. Next one, homie L Guacamole. Um is Mike from Surrey a real person? What did Mike from Surrey say on the post-game show last night? 
Uh, okay, so so Mike and Suri called in, and um, he because he, he called in before too and said this team is not very good and he all. He called that. after the the second Edmonton win, right? Yeah, and he said this is not going to be a good team. They're bad and everything like that. And he called in and, and, and he said and, and he essentially was trying to tell fans not to get too excited, and he was worried about fans getting ahead of, ahead of themselves and and getting hurt. And he, he was kind of fan gatekeeping a little bit, and big called it out, and you know kind of went at it a little bit, and and called out the fact that you know not only is Mike making these assertions, he's also kind of gate keeping and telling fans how to be and not be and whatever but i thought it was funny because mike is a real person he texts in as well we, we see the number he called in so he is a real individual and and based on the volume of text and what he says when he texts in like it's a real person like it's not a bot <laughs> you know what i mean and it's not like part uh, of any sort of inside uh, building thing where we have somebody doing it for for, for a gimmick or whatever but he said, now he kind of changed his story. He said, I think the Canucks are a 95-point team that are not a cup contender, and they're you know they're just on, on this crazy heater, but they're more of a 95-point team, which I'm like, you know what? If you call them a 95-point team, I mean, that's not really a slap in the face. That's a playoff team usually, right? I mean, that's kind of what we talked about. So he did kind of move the goalposts and make it seem like he, he thinks they're better than they are, but he was bemoaning the fact that they don't have entry-level contracts that they can win Stanley Cup with and need more players, and they don't know how they're going to get those, and people shouldn't get too excited about the future with the team. To which we said, sure, you have to add better players, but who's to say you aren't able to do that over the next few years? Yeah. And I would say this. How many entry-level contracts did the Vegas Golden Knights have last year? Uh, zero? <laughs> One? Not many. Yeah, not, not in terms of key players on that team. And I'm not saying you're the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, they have some really good players that are on, on say, good deals. Yeah. But we're talking about what? You, you think a guy like Paul Cotter or whatever? Like, Caden uh, Corsack, those are the guys we're talking about. They're kind of depth players. Those are the guys on really cheap entry-level type contracts. So... The only way to win isn't to have entry-level contracts. Uh, actually, up against it, so we probably got to end there. Actually, if you want to do this real quick, basketball Phil, rank the rookies in order so far in their seasons. C.J. Stroud, Victor Romanyama, Chet Holmgren, Connor Bedard. Ooh. I kind of want to go C.J. Stroud one, but it might be because I didn't have great expectations, and he's just been unreal. I go Wemby one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wemby, uh, Wemby, Stroud, Bedard, Chet Holmgren. Okay. It's kind of hard to argue against Wemby. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. He's a freak. He's the tallest kid alive. <laughs> He's so fast. <laughs> All right, we got to go. For producers Josh and Elon, of course, you sending in your questions for the mailbag. We do appreciate it. My co-host, Sat. I'm Dan. We're back tomorrow, 3 o'clock, with the Play Now Sports pregame show ahead of the Canucks and Maple Leafs on Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk tomorrow.